other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, it's no secret I enjoy a drink now and again, and that's why if there's one period that uh, I'm kind of glad I wasn't around for, it's Prohibition. Now, you could still get drinks during the Prohibition era, but it was a little, diff- a little more difficult. You'd have to go to speakeasies and things of that nature. But there was booze being distributed in those days, and there is now a monument in Battery Park to one of the unsung heroes of the Prohibition era, the Bulldog. Oh, yes. Bulldogs were the unsung heroes of the Prohibition era. At least that's what a new monument that has been up in Battery Park since October is proclaiming. Atop the pedestal of that monument sits the figure of a droopy-faced bulldog dressed in a button-down vest and a page boy hat. And he's guarding a wooden barrel that we can only assume is full of hooch. This monument is the brilliant work of a terrific sculptor and a guy with a wicked sense of humor by the name of Joe Reginella. If you're not familiar with Joe Reginella, he also did the monument to the Staten Island Ferry that was consumed by a giant octopus, the Brooklyn Bridge Elephant Stampede, the UFO abduction that took place during the blackout of 1977. And of course, my personal favorite, because I was the voice of the PSA, the monuments to the Ed Koch Wolf Foundation. You could find those on YouTube. Just type in Ed Koch Wolf Foundation. Now, of course, the Staten Island Ferry being consumed by a giant octopus, the Brooklyn Bridge Elephant Stampede, the UFO abduction during the blackout of 1977, and yes, even the wolves that are supposedly swallowing all the tourists that are visiting New York, those never happen. Joe Reginella has been putting up for the last few years these fake monuments, and they're hysterical. He's been called the Banksy of Monuments in the New York Times. He's known for all these memorials. You can check out the website at statenislandsioctopusdisaster.com. I love this guy's sense of humor. I love what he's doing, and I'm wishing him the best of luck with this latest monument. And as the quote from bootlegger Bill McCoy honoring his beloved beloved bulldog pork chop says that dog had more heart than any man i know a real gent while joe reginella has more sense of humor than any artist i know he's a real gem if you want to see the picture of the monument go to my facebook page at facebook.com slash moreno fan beam me up to be continued the other side of midnight Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. I once again have to ask the question, what is going on inside the Eric Adams administration? This administration is just so brazen in hiring and appointing whomever they want, irrespective of qualifications, irrespective of scandal, irrespective of character, irrespective of a lack of a background check. And now here we are, the Brooklyn director of the Mayor's Community Affairs Unit used illegal license plate covers, lights, and sirens on his car. He was driving a Jeep with illegal license plate covers and flashing police lights. Now, I'll spare you the drama, but of course, 
if you're the head of the community affairs unit for any borough, even Brooklyn, you don't get to have police lights on your vehicle. In July, the mayor himself held a press conference to announce a crackdown on ghost cars, vehicles driven by people who used fake or obscure license plate. He said at the time, this is a city of law and order, not lawlessness and disorder. Well, he didn't need to look too hard to find a ghost car until recently, Tony Herbert, the Brooklyn director of the Mayor's Community Affairs Unit, drove a black Jeep outfitted with lights, sirens, and a plainly illegal device that covered the license plates at the touch of a button. I know Tony Herbert. I've known him for 20 years. I like Tony very much. But I don't know how he thinks he could get away with this. I don't know how the mayor thinks he could get away with this. He, By the way, Tony Herbert was actually, Curtis Lee was running mate on our third party line in the recent election. He was running for public advocate while Curtis was running for mayor. So it's interesting that Mayor Adams would have chosen to appoint him to such an important role in Brooklyn. But that's the thing with Tony. I like him, but he always seemed very comfortable right in that gray area of what's right and wrong. And what makes this so irritating is the mayor's office really didn't answer any questions about the details of Tony Herbert's employment or what the story is with this vehicle. The question you've got to ask is, and again, this is not a Tony Herbert thing, it's about the culture within the Adams administration. How many other Eric Adams aides have illegal license plate covers? How many other community representatives are having police flashing lights on their vehicles? I think the mayor owes the public an explanation on this. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. The latest New York City boondoggle and ripoff involves CUNY and COVID testing. One is a massive bureaucracy. The other is something that there was a whole lot of free money to put into private sector hands, which is always a recipe for ripoffs. Throughout the city university system, students and faculty say a mandatory COVID PCR testing program has failed to accommodate work schedules, provides uncertain public health benefits, and has locked people out of needed classes. Here's the best part. CUNY has paid $35 million a year over the last two school years to a company called Applied DNA Sciences for regular testing of unvaccinated students and random checks for vaccinated ones. But unlike rapid tests which can immediately identify people with transmissible coronavirus, supposedly. The PCR tests from Applied DNA take 24 hours to process at a lab out on Long Island. Students who miss test alerts often get locked out of campuses and classes, which has been an issue at community colleges already struggling with declining enrollment and with shorter testing hours. This is a fascinating, fascinating piece in the city. The city is a nonprofit. Uh, news outlet that covers what's happening in city government and city politics. And what we're seeing here with CUNY, as the university struggles with declining enrollment already, and something that was already going on before this, this intrusive PCR testing system with really no clear purpose, has become one more obstacle for both faculty members and students, especially those at community colleges. And this cost the city university system $35 million. 
dollars. There's the story of Irene, a 25-year-old student at Bronx Community College, who said she had to miss two classes on October 12th after learning upon arriving on campus she had been selected for random testing. Her ID badge flashed red instead of green at the security desk when she tried to enter the campus, which meant she had been flagged for random PCR testing. Now, this is a, a student, a young woman, who commutes from Yonkers. She then had to take time off work the next day to go get tested. She was not able to return to campus until registering a negative result. This is crazy. This is not how this system is supposed to work. It is doing nothing to keep people safe. It is not at all a means by which a university should be run. I'm all for testing. I'm all for vaccinations. I got vaccinated. This is insane. And to think that we're paying $35 million for this nonsense, is that really the best use of $35 million by the city university system? I suspect not. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, today is the final day of voting. That's right. The whole kitten caboodle is decided. Whole enchilada. And in two hours, the polls here in New York will officially be open. And there are a lot of problems with the way elections are conducted in this state and in this city. And I've talked about them. There's a fascinating article, an op-ed uh, in the New York Times by Lee Drutman, who laments that once again, the swing voters who seem to have gained a reputation for being the only ones not really that interested in politics, they essentially get to determine all these elections. But I'm betting if you're listening to this program right now, chances are you've already made a decision as to whom you're going to vote for. I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, irrespective of how you vote on the propositions in New York City, I voted no, but vote how you want. Flip over the ballot and make sure you vote on those propositions because a lot of times these propositions pass or fail just because people forget to vote on them. So be sure to flip over the ballot and vote on the propositions. The other thing, if you're voting for Lee Zeldin, one thing you might want to consider is voting for Zeldin on the conservative party line. Why? Because unless the conservative party gets either 130,000 votes or 3% of the vote total, whichever is greater, they're out of business. This is one of the many rules that Andrew Cuomo passed on his way out the door to make life difficult for third parties. Independence Party, gone. Green Party, gone. Libertarian Party, gone. Sam Party, gone. Reform Party, gone. If you want to keep the Conservative Party, which has, which has been a staple in New York politics since 1962 in business, vote for Zeldin on the Conservative Party line. The same thing if you're voting for Hochul, consider voting for her on the Working Families Party line because they may have a similarly difficult problem staying in business. If you believe that minor parties should have the right to exist and that New Yorkers should have more than two choices, if you're voting for Zeldin, consider voting for him on the conservative line. If you're voting for Hochul, consider voting for her on the Working Families Party line. And I'm hoping that whomever wins, whether it's Hochul or Zeldin, that they will undo some of these Cuomo-era draconian rules that made it very difficult for third parties to stay in business. And whoever ends up on the ballot this year, they're going to have to requalify again in two years in the presidential election. Doesn't seem fair to me, but that's the way it is. Beam me up! To be continued.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 